0: As well, I, I enjoyed the wedding yesterday, but I would have I, I would have come for the tacos. How many of y'all say amen to that? Those were amazing. I'm just telling you, those were incredible, and uh, that was just uh, that was worth coming for. And uh, what a what a delightful few days. It's hard to think that a few uh, just just a short few years ago that we had no idea who the Mondays were, and uh, now we feel like we've known them our entire life. And uh, that's a wonderful blessing about being in the family of God, isn't it? And God bless you all so much. You've just made us feel right at home, and we're grateful for that. If you want to take a Bible and be finding our text, you'll find it in 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter. Second Corinthians, the 8th chapter. If you're not real familiar with that, it'll be on the screen. But if you want to try to find it, if you'll locate Obadiah and go to the right, uh, you'll eventually get to 2 Corinthians, chapter 8, all right? So I'll give you a moment to get there. Just a moment. You probably noticed if you uh, came in this side, we, did, we, we came out and did a family conference last weekend, so I brought some books for that conference and some of our sermon series, and, and I had a few left over, so I thought I'd uh, put them on the table for you. And uh, just to give you an idea of what you'll find there, here's a, here's a book called Home Improvement, Keys to Building a Happy Home. Uh, my friend Harold Vaughn and I wrote this book, and uh, it's the only book in the world that has my name on the cover. Uh, the only one in the world, and uh, it's been said that everybody in the world ought to read this book, and I said that, and so <laughs> here it is. It's on the table. It's, a, it's actually a mentorship book for the family and uh, has a page really about a month worth of reading, one chapter a day, 1,000 words or less, based primarily on the book of Ephesians. So we wanted that to be an encouragement to you. Here's a family devotional. Our family time with God has one page for every day of the year. If, you're, if you struggle like most of us do to have family devotions, this might be the tool you need. Uh, just, uh, just turn to the day's date and the, the devotion is there done for you. And that's a helpful book. Of course, my uh, daughter's pastor, Paul Chappell, Wrote the book called Making Home Work in a Broken Society. And uh, that's a very, very practical and helpful book. And then my friend Kerry Schmidt. I've carried this on the table a long time because Brother Schmidt found out he had cancer. And uh, he wrote a book about that called Off Script. What do you do when God rewrites your life? And uh, this is a powerful, powerful, helpful book. Take advantage of that one. And then um, I also have uh, some sermons on thumb drive. How many of y'all are old enough to remember cassette tapes? Do you remember those? Uh, I used to sell all my sermons on cassette tapes. And uh, boy, those uh, those were fun days. I sold them two for $5 in our revival meetings. I'd on Tuesday night do a blue light special. That dates me as well, doesn't it? But we had two for $5 except Tuesday night they were four for 10. And uh, boy, we sold a lot on Tuesday night. And uh, then people stopped buying my cassettes, and then we did CDs, and now not many folks are buying CDs. So I put sermon series on thumb drive. So if you've got a car that's got that little USB port in there while you're driving between here and Denver, you know, 17 hours, uh, you could listen to some sermons. And uh, so they're available, and most of them are on the family. This one's called Family Matters. I think there's uh, nine sermons in here right out of Family Camp in North Carolina, uh, here's two uh, couples conferences, Bethley and I did, and one's called Tighten the Knot. I think that has six messages on it, right out of a couples conference. Here's uh, another series of sermons as, on marriage. This one's called One Accord. These are right, uh, all of them are live. There's ladies. There's one series called Just for Ladies, and that's a ladies conference. My wife did that in Michigan. And teenagers, if you would listen to a week of youth camp sermons. I have one series for you, and if you'll come up and say to me, I'll listen to it, I'll give it to you. And uh, nobody buys them, so sometimes I have to give them away. And, uh, so, but I'm serious, teens, if, you, if you'd go home and listen to a, a, a series of sermons I did in a youth camp, and they're on thumb drive, I'd give it to you, and uh, let that be a blessing and a help to you. I, I do have the uh, wireless mic on. Have I, have I got it on? Am I, uh, can, I, can I switch to that? <laughs> All right, now Pastor said you're always out by two, so we got plenty of time, and uh, nobody's in a hurry, are you? We got we got plenty of time here. Let's get right to God's word, shall we? Second Corinthians. Oh, by the way, I got a wife here. You should meet my wife, shouldn't you? And uh, boy, did I get distracted. Sweetheart, stand up. Bethley Joy belongs to me. We are we're about to celebrate 28 years, and uh, I'm thankful for her. As most of you know, I got five young'uns. I'm Dave Young, so. We got the youngins. Sounds like a bluegrass band, doesn't it? And uh, I have uh, Abby's married to David. Josh is married to Bethany. They were here for the wedding, but they've departed. Matt and Kareth got married yesterday. And then my Jacob is a freshman in Bible college here in a few days. Jake, go ahead and stand just so they can see how good looking you are. And uh, there's Jacob. And then Charity's by her mom. Go ahead and stand, Charity. And uh, Charity is in the eighth grade. So that's the young family. And I'm so thankful for the home God's given to us. We're very blessed. If you, if you do podcasting, we do do a podcast. We, we call it Keeping It Young Podcast every Monday morning. And look up keepingityoungpodcast.com and, and uh, check out our, our, our family podcast. We'd love to have you join us. How many of you are familiar with 2 Corinthians? Are you there? 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I'm going to preach to you this morning a message. I'm going to talk about serving God with what you have. Serving God with what you have. Paul wrote these verses here, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and verse 1. And let's read 12 verses together. And the Bible says these words, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit, that's an old phrase. We would probably say it like this, we want you to know. Moreover, brethren, we want you to know, we do you to wit, of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. All right, Paul, what do you want us to know? How then a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. How many of y'all agree that's a strange verse? Did you catch That's a strange verse. He says uh, their uh, their joy and deep poverty. Now You don't always expect those two things to go together, but what made the difference in those two things is What he says at the end, they abounded to the riches of their liberality. You don't have to have a lot to serve God. How many y'all knew that? Did you know that? You don't have to be wealthy. You don't have to be brilliant. How many y'all praise God for that? Uh, You don't have to be the sharpest knife in the drawer. Uh, You don't. You don't. You don't. The elevator doesn't have to go to the top floor. Uh, You can serve God with what you have. That's what he's letting us know here. So he says in verse three, for to their power I bear record, yea. And beyond their power, uh, power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And verse 5 is a real key verse. And this they did, not as we hope, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also, Therefore, as ye abound in everything, catch that phrase. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And hereon I give my advice, for this is expedient for you, who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also, watch this now, out of that which ye have. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. This is a great text. Let's talk about serving God with what do you have, what you have. I don't know all of you this morning. I've I've only been here a couple of times in your church, and and I don't know your background or how long you've been saved or, or, or whether or not you're even saved necessarily. But the fact of the matter is, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, There's a God in heaven who is interested in you. He invites you to serve Him. He knows your talents. He knows your strengths. He knows how much money you have and how much money you don't have. He knows about your family. He knows about your background. He just knows everything about us. And he's interested in using our lives in such a way that we not only bring glory to God, that we also are a blessing, encouragement, and help to the church. That's God's plan. See, you're not just a member of the church. You're not just a child of God. You're a part of the family of God, and God wants to use you in his family to further the cause of Christ. What an incredible thought to think about. Have you ever thought about that? You're important to God. You ever thought about that? You know, I could say, you know, my wife's important to me. How many of you husbands would say your wife is important to you? Would you Would you agree with that? Wives, would you say your husband's important to you? Your children are important to you. You grandparents, your grandchildren are important to you. How many of y'all like your grandchildren better than your kids? That's most of the crowd. And the way Pastor was going on today, I have a feeling that's going to work that way for him. How many of y'all think? And uh, It's coming. It's coming. We, we could pray for twins. We could just up this ante, Pastor. And uh, you and I, the Bible says, if two of us agree on earth, and uh, so we could uh, we could up that ante a little bit. And uh, after getting to know Brother Shannon and his sons, um, maybe we should pray for the grandson that's on the way. and Because uh, uh, that's going to be a, a spoiled little guy if it's a boy. Maybe even a little girl, too. We, we all know that. But here's the idea. God knows where we are, and God's interested in our lives. That's pretty special to think about, isn't it? Really, you could outline this passage in several ways. So just by way of introduction, notice he emphasizes really three thoughts here. Uh, He emphasizes, this isn't my text, my sermon, but it is just by introduction. He emphasizes grace. How many of y'all praise God for grace? He talks about the grace that was given to us. I thank God that when I was a sinner and on the road to hell, that I learned about the grace of God. How that a Savior named Jesus Christ came into this world, though he was rich, became poor, so that through what he did for me, dying on the cross, buried, raised from the dead, because of what he did, I have eternal life. I'm a child of God. I'm forgiven of my sins. I am on my way to heaven. And I praise God for that. Don't you? And if you're not saved today, you don't know you're going to heaven. Listen, I'll tell you something, friend. The same God that cared about me and my brothers and sisters in this room, He cared that much about you. And He went to a cross 2,000 years ago and died for your sins so that through Him all your sins could be forgiven. Now that's shouting ground right there. Because of what He did, all of your... You say, you don't know what I've done. I don't need to know what you've done because I know what Jesus Christ did for you when He died on the cross for your sins and He was buried and was raised from the dead. Because He died, you can be forgiven. Because He was raised from the dead, you can have eternal life. That's the grace of God. And grace just isn't salvation. Grace is something we need every day, isn't it? How many of y'all know there are many valleys you'll go through in life? How many of y'all know that by experience, don't you? go to a doctor and very easily find out I have cancer. You can, go up, you can get a phone call. You, you, you can get a, a visitor at your door to tell you tragic news. God's grace is always available to His son, to His daughter. He doesn't leave you alone in the valleys of life. He walks with you. He talks with you. He never stops loving you. Are you all with me on that this morning? It's the grace of God. So the word grace is here. The word giving is here. Uh, giving is the theme. The word growing is not in the text, but it's all over the text. What's Paul telling the church at Corinth? Church, don't ever stop growing. Don't ever stop advancing. Don't ever don't ever stop letting God work in your life and in your church's heart. Don't ever stop. Don't ever get comfortable and think, well, we've arrived. We've done all we can do. Uh, we, we've just, we're just a spiritual. We can't grow anymore. Uh, we've arrived, don't ever think that, Paul is telling this church something about grace, something about growing, and the whole theme really is about giving. How many of y'all know that giving is a special privilege for those of us who are Christians? Uh, the Bible says uh, we're to be a cheerful giver. It's not like, all right, fine, I'll give. No, God, God's not interested in that. God gave, and He said, because I gave, I want you to give. I heard this story somewhere along the way about these two men that... Um, were marooned on an island, and one of them was pacing back and forth. He was worried to death. He was scared. The other man was just sitting back against a a place over there somewhere on the island, sunning himself, just as relaxed and calm as you could be. And the first man said to the second man, what's wrong with you? Aren't you afraid to die out here? And the man said, no. He said, listen, buddy, calm down. He said, I make $100,000 a week, and I tithe. He said, my pastor will find us. (laughs) <laughs> I read that and I thought every pastor I know would be looking for that guy, wouldn't he? And uh, we'll call out the search and rescue. Now we can joke about giving, but you know, giving is an important grace. It's a wonderful thing to be able to give, church. And, and here's here's what I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you about just very simply today uh, about giving. I want to talk. That's what I want to emphasize: giving. Did you know that God God has a plan about you and giving? And so let me teach you three things based on this text. Y'all ready? Here's number one. Write this down somewhere. Did you know based on verse five, it is God's will that you give yourself to him? How many of you are saved today on your way to heaven? You believe you're a child of God? Is that many of you? All right, let me ask you a question. Have you given yourself to God? Romans says it like this. I beseech you therefore, brethren. How many of y'all know this verse, do you? I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you do what? Present your bodies. Say the word bodies. What's the word? Now here's what I learned in that passage. You ready for this? I'm a Tennessean. You're going, to be, you're going to be impressed by my great intellect here. I read that one day and something dawned on me. It's important. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies. Here's what I learned. Did you know that every person I know has a body? That's pretty. That's pretty deep, isn't it? I mean, you'd search a long time to find something deeper than that. I, I, every one of us have a body. You see, yeah. But I, I just got saved a few days ago. I've only been saved six months. I don't know much about the Bible. I, Pastor went about. I mean, I'm not like that. You don't know me, Brother Young. I, I'm a little rough around the edges. Maybe that's all true. But can I tell you something? You have a body, and God says in this passage that the church at Corinth. Before they gave their money and their talents and their abilities, he said, you know what they did? They gave themselves. You you may not have any money. You may not have any abilities. You may not have any talents. But I'll tell you what you do have. You have a body. You know what you can say to God? You can say, God, uh, this is all I got. This is it right here. It's all I got. This is me. and it's all I got. But I want you to know something, God. Here I am. You can have me. Whatever you want, that's what I want. What you want me to do with my life? That's what I'll do. What, what, how you want me to live? That's how I'll live. The husband you want me to be? That's what I'm going to be. I, I know I got a long way to go, Lord. I got some rough edges, and and, and I, I I wish I were a better man. I I wish I were a better person than I am. But God, I just want you to know I'm all in. How many of y'all? How many of y'all know that we always honor people that are all in? How many of y'all know that? Don't you? Don't you? Thank God for people that are all in when it comes to marriage. You got the idea yesterday, if you were at this wedding, that my son was all in. I, I, I mean, the kid smiled from ear to ear uh, for the last three years, and it was bigger yesterday than it had been on any day that I've seen him in these three years. He's been getting to know Kareth Monday. He was all in. Wouldn't that be weird if you went to a wedding and the pastor said, All right, do you take um, um, do you take her to be your wife? And he said, "Yeah, seven Nobody would buy that, would you? There's not a daddy in the world that would stand for that. You want people that are what? All in. Have you ever gone on YouTube and looked up that little video of a pastor and he's getting ready to baptize a little boy, I think he was seven And the little boy's at the top quivering with excitement. He's so excited about getting baptized. And the the camera's on, pastor and him. And the pastor's telling the crowd, you know, all about this little guy got saved and whatever, whatever. And he turns around the boy and he says, all right, now we're going to baptize you. And from the top steps of the baptistry, the little boy, I mean, dove right in. And the pastor said something about first time in my ministry somebody's baptized themselves. And, And that little boy was all in. Now let me ask you a question. A lot of you have been saved a long time. Can I ask you, are you all in? Here's what they did first. They gave them their own selves to the Lord. That's myself. That's my body. That's me. I was 15 years old when I got saved. And uh, when I was 16 years old, I was in a church service on a Sunday night, and I gave myself to the Lord. We had a, what they called in the Tennessee churches where I grew up a mourner's bench. Anybody know that term? Anybody by chance? A mourner's bench was a little kneeling bench in front of the pulpit. That's where you would go to pray at the end of a sermon. And the pastor said, you know what? God wants you. Will you give yourself to God? I was 16 years old. Teenagers, look. I was 16. Lightning didn't flash. Thunder didn't roll. Nobody gave a standing ovation. There was no applause. I knelt. I said, okay, God, it's all I got. Here I am, I don't know who I'm going to marry, don't know what you want with my life, don't know much about the Bible, but I know I'm saved and I want you to have me. I'm all in. Now this doesn't happen all the time, but that's the night that I knew as a 16-year-old, God wanted me to be in ministry, wanted me to preach. I knew that. I don't know how I knew that, I just knew in my heart. I just knew, oh my goodness, God wants me to be a preacher. So I got up and went back to my seat. I was four rows back on the aisle. There was a trio of ladies singing, just as I am. And the pastor left the platform, came back to me, and he said, all right, Dave, what'd you pray about tonight? And I said, well, pastor, I did what you said. I told God he could have me. And I think, so I said, I think God wants me to preach. My pastor goes like this. He was like, well, that's great. He said, there's only one way to know whether or not you're called to preach, and that's to do it. So next Sunday night, you can preach, and we'll find out. That's exactly what he did. I was 16 years old in a public high school, and my pastor didn't give me a chance to change my mind. Got up and told our church Sunday night. Now Dave thinks God wants him to preach, so next Sunday night he's going to preach. Y'all come and let's find out. And uh, we had 60 people on Sunday morning, average. Next Sunday night we had 120 people show up. And uh, I preached 21 minutes and have no idea what I preached. I've never preached 21 minutes since then, but... Uh, That first sermon was 21 minutes, and I was done, and apparently God was in it. See, here's the deal. God God doesn't want all of us in ministry as far as a preacher, an evangelist, or a missionary, but God does want all of us. How long has it been since you dedicated yourself to God? Since you said, Lord, you know what, I'm I'm retired now. It's not just yourself, it's, it's your station in life your season of life. God, I'm retired now. Great to be retired. Have nothing to do. No money to do it with. I'm retired now. What are you going to do with your retirement? Dedicated to the Lord. God, I give myself. My retirement's all yours. You know, you retire from a job, but nobody who's a child of God retires from Christianity. Don't throw in the towel because you're getting older. You're you're wiser now than you've ever been, all things being equal. There's some young people in this church that could use you. Some of you ladies, you know, you're you're older now. I'll be a little encouragement to you. I have a spiritual gift of encouragement. The Bible calls it aged. Isn't that encouraging? How many of you all ladies find that encouraging? The Bible says, you know, now that you're getting aged, you know what? It's not a time to sit back and go, praise God, I'm about finished with life and I'm done. No, the Bible says aged women are to teach younger women how to love their husbands, how to raise their children. Say, Dave, that's not, I'm not I'm not in ministry. No, but you are a child of God. Give this stage of your life to God. Pastor and I talk some church family. About some of the valleys your church has gone through over the last year or so and facing deaths and sicknesses. That always weighs heavily on a pastor's heart. Can I challenge you, my brothers and sisters? God knows this season of your life. If your hearts are heavy and challenged, and and, and the events of life have been hard recently. You know what you ought to do with that? Give it to the Lord. You can go to God and say, God, I don't want this cancer and I don't like this cancer and I'm against this cancer. But I'm your child. I don't know what else to do. Here it is. It's yours. I'm going to walk with you through this and I'm asking you to walk with me. Say, Dave, I lost my husband, lost my son, lost Life just has challenges. Y'all know this, don't you? What do we do with that as Christians? We're not weird about it. We're not, we're not weird in the sense that we're like, well, praise God. No, it's not, it's not that way at all. He says, you know, God, this not what I'd have chosen. This wasn't on my radar, and I don't like it. But I belong to you. I just want to go on record and say with the church at Corinth, I'm going to first give myself. This season of my life, this stage of my life, God, I'm giving it to you. How, many of you. how many of you are far enough removed from a season of life that you know that if you give it to God and you walk with God through it, That God can be close to you and give you joy and peace and bring you out on the other side with victory in such a way that your life is never the same. And the result is joy and peace and spiritual growth. And you're you're just absolutely amazed at what God can do in the valleys of life. How many of you experienced that before, haven't you? So here's what we're learning this morning. Paul says, what do you have? You got you. So give yourself to the Lord. Your season, your stuff, yourself, your station in life, just be all in for God. Here's the second thing, and I've got to close here shortly. Uh, What what do I do here? What is he telling the church at Corinth? Number one, it's God's will for you to give yourself to him. That's in verse 5. In verses 4 through 7, he also teaches the church at Corinth here that it's God's will for you to give yourself to the church, not just to God, but to the church. Uh, Platte Valley Baptist Church, this is not just something we do on Sunday morning. We're a family. We're a body. Uh, we're all in this together. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says we're to go to church and, and we are to provoke one another to love and good works. In other words, I'm not just to come in and sit in my seat. How many of you all have, I haven't been here enough to know, but how many of you all kind of have your location in the auditorium? Is, that, is this a normal Baptist church? Um, most pastors, they know who's not here because they look, and there's an empty seat, and Brother So-and-So always sits right there, and that seat's empty. See, some of you have been sitting there so long, that seat's conformed to the image of your body. And that's your seat. I'm just telling you, where I sit. Don't you get in my seat. That's my location. See, we're more than just a location of people that sit around an auditorium. The Bible says we're to go to love, uh, go to church, and and assemble together. And and, and we we hear God's word. This is where we grow spiritually. Uh, We we worship. This is a place to worship collectively. Uh, Make make sure you worship. Don't just sing a hymn because we're old-fashioned traditional. Don't just, well, bless God, we only sing hymns. All right, fine. But if you don't mean it, you might as well stop. Doing this because we're traditional, mean it. Sing it. If you sing amazing grace, put your heart into it. So we go to church. We're a family. You know, it's not even wrong to sometimes do this. Amazing grace, or well, we're not, we're not Pentecostal. Well, we may disagree with Pentecostals on some things, but they're not wrong because they do this. This is actually biblical. Do you know that? The Bible even says you can clap your hands to the Lord. That makes some of us uncomfortable because I was raised in a church where if you did that, we'd raise our eyebrows at you. Y'all know what I mean by that? But we're to go to church and worship. How long has it been since you really sang with all your heart and you weren't just saying words? You were all in the church. We give ourselves to God. We give ourselves to the church. That's where we worship. This is where we pray. This is where we share our requests. We serve God together. And the Bible says, let's provoke one another to love And good works. When's the last time you provoked a brother or sister in a good way? Is that that a fair question? Because sometimes we know how to, like, you know, how many of y'all have children? You have children? How many of y'all have children? You have children? You ever seen your kids provoke one another? It's not the same idea in this text. When he says we're to provoke each other, it means I'm to encourage you. Sometimes we come to our service and we sit. We come in. There's our seat. We sit. We sit. And wasn't that nice? Brother Mundy, that's so nice. We're so thankful his sermons are shorter than he is tall. Uh, Brother Mundy, wasn't that nice? That's a nice sermon. He's such a nice man. And that music was so good. And, and Brother So-and-so parked his car so nicely. Uh, that was just a great service. Praise God. Well, okay, okay, praise the Lord for all of that stuff. But you know what? you got a ministry. God didn't call you just to just come and sit in your seat and park your car nicely. God called you to walk in here and look around and say, You know, brother, so-and-so is going through a hard battle right now. And maybe go over and sit by him and put your arm around him and say, You doing all right? Can I pray for you? Maybe, Maybe you need to go sit by a sister. Some of you teenagers need to just stop shooting a few hoops in the building. Find one of the widow ladies and go sit by her. Say, how you doing? And say, yeah, but she's she's old. <laughs> yeah, but you're going to be old someday, sooner than you think. Am I right, older folks, help me out. Don't leave me hanging. Next thing you know, you're going to have gray hair, and some of you boys aren't going to have any. <laughs> and, and it's going to happen in life. Are you all with me this morning? See, we're not to come to church and just sit and stare at each other and say, well, nice to see you today and go home. Shame on us. We are people of the church. I'm to give myself to God. 1 Corinthians is saying, I'm to give myself to the church. Look at it. Let me just draw your attention to it. Look at the end of verse 4. And notice he says, take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. I'm to serve a brother and sister at church. See, I don't know how to serve at church. Well, you could pray with somebody. You see somebody obviously down. You know, you know each other well enough to know somebody's battling cancer. Somebody has gone through a valley and their heart is still raw about it. Well, love them. Encourage them. He says, is it uh, verse 7? We're to abound in everything. We're to abound. You all know that term, that word? I'm not just to be like, yep. no, I'm I'm a Christian. Yep, I'm going to heaven. No, I'm to abound in this thing. I'm to abound. There's to be great joy in my heart, and I'm all in for Jesus, and I serve the church, and I'm part of the family. I abound. You say, yeah, but brother, I'm just me. I know that. But what the Bible says right here is that, that there's faith, verse 7, there's faith, there's utterance, there's knowledge, there's diligence, there's love, there's giving. See, listen, you may not do what I do. You may not stand up and open a Bible and teach the church. But some of you, some of you have gifts that I don't have. See, God gives you strengths I don't have. And why does God, why does God make you different than me? because the church needs all of us. See, so yeah, but I, you know, I'm just, I, 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 David, I don't know much about this Christianity. I just got saved. Yeah, but there's a God in heaven that designed you for His church. It's given you a strength. And, and, and you don't have to have my, my, my dad, my dad's a Tennessee hillbilly, never finished high school. One of the wisest men I know. He can do anything. The men can do just about, Anything strong as a mule, and uh, this is a tough guy. I and I, I, I admire him. The man, the man is tough as nails. Saw so my dad one day cut his kneecap in half on a chainsaw. Very calmly turned off the chainsaw, turned around, said to me and my brother, "Boys, I think I hurt myself." <laughs> we were like, "No kidding!" And he drove himself forty miles to the emergency room while we finished cutting up the tree. That's my dad, tough as nail. You know my dad, my dad would never stand up in church and teach a Sunday school class. Uh, he wouldn't sing like these girls did this morning, can't play the piano, can't even play a radio real well. It's so my dad, you know my country dad served the Lord. I met a missionary some months ago. I met his son. I knew this family 30 years ago. The son is now a grown man, married, on his own, lives in a whole different town. I ran into him at a church where I was preaching. And he said, you know, Brother Young, I sure love your daddy. I didn't even know the guy knew my daddy, really. I didn't, I, you know, well, that's an odd thing. I've never had anybody say that before like that. And I said, well, what do you mean you love my dad? He said, we were serving God as missionaries, and we came home on furlough, and, and we had no money. We had nothing. Somebody let us move into an old running, run-down farmhouse and we didn't have any heat. We uh, we barely, were, we didn't know what we were going to do. Record had to leave the mission field and go to work and pay the bills. We, what were we going to do? A church had us come preach and sing. We drove all night, because we couldn't afford to stay anywhere. Drove all night, sang and preached in this church and and really sang and preached all day. They fed us Sunday afternoon. We were were on cloud nine about that. Church ended Sunday night. They didn't really even give us enough money, he said, to get home. We barely made it home. We drove all night. Got home the next morning, and he said, Your dad was at our old farmhouse. He had stocked our fridge with meat, our freezer. He cut wood and had wood stacked on the porch so we'd have some wood for the fireplace. And I, I, I remember him telling this, my, my dad, my dad feeding somebody and cutting wood for them. Why? Because he's serving the Lord with what he has. Am I making sense? Here's a church, and notice what he says in verse 12. He said, if there's first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to, the, to the, that he hath not. In other words, you know what? I got, I got news for you, church, and we'll close here in a minute. I got news for you. If you don't have it, you can't serve God with it. I mean, just smile at your neighbor and nod at him, because that was profound. <laughs> just kind of give him a wink. Wow, you know, it's a wow moment right there. You say, well, I wish I could give. God's not, God's not holding you accountable for the money you don't have. He just holds you accountable for what you have, and anybody can serve God with what they have. We, we just had some people give money towards an RV we had to buy because we travel an RV on the road, and our old one was 21 years old and had 500,000 miles on it. And it was time, if we're going to keep doing this in an RV, we got to buy a new one, or we're going to be driving down the interstate, and this one's just going to disintegrate. And so we raised some money for it. And you know, there was a little girl in Honduras. little girl in Honduras, Pastor, sent us a dollar. One dollar, because she... She prays, her family prays for Brother Young, their family devotions. They pray for the Dave Young family, and, and she heard that we were praying about a new RV. She sent us $1. You know what? She gave more than some people gave. Well, she didn't have much, but she gave a dollar. Don't you think if a little girl could give a dollar, I, I could tithe, I could give to missions, I could give more than I do? Is it sensible? God's not holding you accountable for what you don't have. You got a job, then, then use that job for God. You got a talent, use that talent for God. You got an ability. Some of you ladies, you can cook. Well, use it for God. Make Pastor fatter. And uh, you got a you got an ability, don't you use it? You, you you farmers, you ranchers, you got some kid that comes to work on your ranch. There's your opportunity. You can touch a young man. Maybe you got a kid that his dad never talks to him. His dad's too busy to care much about him. But some of you guys in this church can teach a young men how to work. Aren't we hard on this generation? These kids can't work today. A bunch of bums don't know how to do nothing. But the only reason that's true is because nobody's ever taught them. Y'all know that's true, don't you? I know how to bail hay because I had a dad said, here's a tractor and that's a baler and here's how you do it. I know how to stack hay. My dad said, this is how you stack it. I know how to drive a standard on the floor or the column. Some of you listening to me right now have no clue what I just said. But I know how because I had a dad said, right there is a clutch, a brake, an accelerator, and that's first gear. That's second, and that's third, and that's reverse. And that little button down there makes your lights brighter. How many of y'all with me? Y'all with me on this? And this right here rolls down your window.
1: <laughs>
0: what a difference a generation makes, huh? Let's see, we can be so hard, but some of you older men, this God's given you great ability. Serve the Lord with it. God's given you talent. Serve the Lord with it. Don't, don't, don't roll your eyes at some kid down the street who plays video games 12 hours a day because there's nobody in his life teaching him how to work. Bring him over and show him how to work. Teach him how to milk a cow. Teach him how to ride a bull. Teach him how to teach him how to rope. Teach him how to have some girl over and teach her how to cook. Her husband will praise God for you in years to come. And, and see, we got a talent. We're to serve. Here's what the Bible is saying: we're to serve in the church. God knows all about you. And He didn't design you just so you could come and sit and hear Brother Shannon Monday after, or Sunday after Sunday and Wednesday after No, no. He saved you and brought you into His family so you could serve Him with what you have. Am I making sense? Are you all with me? So three things I wanted to tell you. You can serve God by giving yourself to God. You can serve God by giving yourself to the church. You know what I found in this passage? And I I could preach a long time, and I'm going to close. You could serve God by giving yourself to souls. For the souls of men. What does the text say here about Jesus? That for our sake, he who was rich became poor. What's that tell us? You know why Jesus came to this world? Because there was a young man in Wartburg, Tennessee named Dave Young who was on the road to hell. There was a boy in Tennessee who needed a Savior. He couldn't save himself. He was lost. He was on the road to hell. He was was without hope. He didn't know where God was and didn't know how to get to Him. So 2,000 years ago, God looks all the way down into our generation and says, "There's a young man there in Wurtburg needs to be saved." And so Jesus came into this world and dies on a cross. Why? For me. Why well, two thousand years ago he looked down into Brush, Colorado, and saw some of you. He looked down into Fort Morgan and saw some of you, and and you didn't know where God was, and you can't get yourself to heaven, and you're lost, and. You don't have the peace that God wants you to have. You don't have the joy God offers. You don't have the forgiveness of sin that's available. You don't know even where to find it. And so God says, you know what? I'm going to become a baby and I'm going to step into that world and I'm going to go to a cross and I'm going to die for their sins and I I will go to the grave and I will be raised from the dead so that those folks in Fort Morgan and Brush and the surrounding area, and yes, people all over the world will know there's a God in heaven that loves them and cares about them and offers them eternal life. That's how much God cared about me. That's how much He cared about you. And He calls all of us to care that much about those around us. Hey, I'm going to close. How long's it been? How long has it been since you, as a child of God, said this? Uh, God, who could I talk to today and tell them about you? How long has it been since you carried a gospel track with some verses on it and said to somebody, hey, I just want you to know something. God sure loves you and sure cares about you. This will tell you how you can know you're going to heaven if you'll read it. How long has it been since you kind of went out of your way and said, what would I have to do to get you to come to church with me Sunday so you could hear our pastor talk about Jesus? I'll have you over for dinner. I'll cook you dinner Sunday afternoon if you'll come to church with me and hear about Jesus. Well, what would you have to do? How long has it been since you gave yourself for souls? This is is the point of this text. Literally, it's about giving money. But before he wants their money, what he tells us in the text is they gave themselves. They gave themselves to God. They gave themselves to the church. They gave themselves for souls. It's noon, and what better way to celebrate a Sunday than in a fresh new way saying, God, I just want to kneel in this Sunday service and just in a new way give myself to you. My retirement, my family, this season of our life, God, we just want you to know we're giving it all to you. Why don't you make a commitment this, this very Sunday service? God, I don't know how I would serve the church. I've never thought about that. But I, if your word is true, I, w- I know you want to use my life, so here I am. I want to serve your church. Show me how. God, i got so many people I know that are, they don't know you. I give myself to tell them about you. I'm all in. Here I am. And it very well may be. You came to Platte Valley Baptist Church this Sunday morning, and you're not on your way to heaven because you don't really know God and Jesus and what this is all about. We're going to have what we call an invitation. And in our Baptist churches, and as they did in the Bible many times, we're going to give an invitation. And here's what it is. It's really a time for prayer. So our sister's going to come to the piano, and, and and I think she's playing Have That on Way. Lord today and I'm just curious how many of you would say Dave I'd be willing to to kneel or to stay seated while others stand but I'm just going to say to God today God it's been a while since I've really made a dedication but here I am so that you know God I'm all in and I don't know how to serve you but if you'll lead me I will I'm all in God I'd sure like to see my husband saved or my children saved, or my grandson, or my neighbor, and I'm all in. If you don't know you're saved, pastor and I would love to pray with you. If you'll meet us here at the front, we will. Let's stand together, shall we? Bow your head and close your eyes for prayer. It's a time for prayer. Are there some of you that would kneel and say, God, I'm just going to kneel. I'm all in. You could make an altar at the front of Platte Valley Baptist Church Auditorium. Would you kneel? Would you say, God, I just in a fresh way want to give myself to you. This season of my life, this situation, I want to give it to you. Several are kneeling at their pews. That's appropriate. If you're not physically able to kneel, maybe you should sit back down and pray. But would you just take a moment and be all in for God? So our heads are bowed across this auditorium, we're going to prayer. Two things I want to ask you while we're going to prayer. Number one, is there anybody here who would say, hey Dave? I, I don't know that I don't know that I'm forgiven of my sins and that I'm on my way to heaven. But I, I know that God's speaking to me about that and God, God's talking to me about it. I want to know that I'm going to heaven and I don't know. Pray for me about it. Anybody that way at all in this auditorium? I just don't know. I don't know for sure, but I want to know. Let me see your hand today if that's you. I don't know, but I want to know. And then one more question. How many of you in this auditorium this morning would say, hey, hey, Brother Young, we are going through quite a season in our life, a challenge, a burden. And to be quite honest, I, I have things going on in my life that I don't even know what to do about it sometimes but I need prayer about it. There's a burden. There's a need. There's a situation. Pray with me about it. Let me see your hand if that's you. Can I pray with somebody? Several hands across this room. Let's bear one another's burdens for just a moment. Pray for your brothers and sisters, church family. Bear one another's burdens. Lift each other up in prayer. Many of you know situations. Circumstances, needs. This is a time for prayer. Pray for each other. Pray for yourself.
1: Father, I pray that you would help us as individuals and as a church to be all in for you. God, I pray that you'll do a work in the hearts of each one. I pray if there is one that doesn't know you, that before they leave here, that they will get that right. Lord, help us. Help us to be what you want us to be. And I pray, Father, that your hand will be upon us, that you will guide us. and. Strengthen us and give us wisdom and what we should do, and thank you. Thank you for your word today. Thank you for the Corinthians example. And Father, I pray that you will help us to be what we need to be. We love you. We praise you. We worship you. We ask that you take us home safely. Bring us back when the doors are open. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless.